Thank you for listening to the Life Church of Kansas City, Missouri. Consider supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com, subscribing, and sharing this message with your friends. God bless you. Hebrews 8, verse 3. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one, meaning Jesus, also have something to offer. And Jesus had something to offer, didn't he? For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and shadow. Everybody say shadow. The shadow, not the real thing, but the imagery of the real thing that's coming. Of the heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, and this is the words of the Lord to Moses, see that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. Everybody say the pattern. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he also is the mediator of a better covenant which was established on better promises. Everybody say better. better. Turn to somebody and say, what we've got's better. better. Amen. I feel directed of the Lord to give this message to you. I hope that it will be accompanied by the spirit of revelation and understanding and will encourage, if not challenge, and inspire your next step and whatever God has for you on this subject, the power of the pattern. The power of the pattern. Would you say that with me? The power. And everybody's going to help me preach by saying amen at least one time, maybe see. It's wonderful to see all of you today. And it's good to be home. I have a picture I want to show you. This is a symbol A powerful symbol. What does that symbolize? Yeah, the golden arches. McDonald's. And then I have some other images I want to show you. We all recognize, we call these brands or logos. And even the Life Church has a logo. And you see it when the screen, and there's nothing especially on the screen, you'll see it. But going from left to right, we all recognize that as the Apple Company, and then McDonald's, Coca-Cola, the swoosh of Nike, and Starbucks that I pulled through the drive-thru this morning. And these are powerful visual images and corporate world calls this branding a brand is a recognizable symbol that communicates a message and a predictable product when you walk in to McDonald's you know what you're going to get you know what's going to be on the menu 
And we all relate to the power of imagery and branding and what it means to us in our society, in our culture. The first mention of the church, everybody say the church. The first mention of the church in scripture was mentioned by the visionary, the founder and the purchaser of the church, who would be Jesus the Christ. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus spoke prophetically about the church when he said, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So right there, we get an imagery of sort of a, of a tension between the church and hell. Between the church of the living God, the kingdom of God, and Satan's kingdom. And I want to tell you that Satan's kingdom is real. It is alive. I don't know how well it is because Satan was humiliated when Jesus suffered and bled and died on the cross. Paul said that he spoiled him and his principality like a, like a Roman governor that would come in like a general and would conquer a city and he would take the leader of that city and, and parade him in front of his own subjects and, see, and say, see, that's, that's what we did to your, to your leader. And that's what Jesus did to Satan on the cross. And I want to tell you, he has no power, amen, with the church of the living God. In fact, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is so much greater that even the gates of hell or the fortress of hell or the most powerful place of hell cannot stop the church from advancing and from moving forward. Are there any witnesses here today? You've been rescued from the kingdom of hell. You've been brought out of darkness. You've been delivered. Come on. Is there any former drug addicts here? Are there any former alcoholics here? Are there any former people that have been bound by sin? I think we ought to testify right now. Hallelujah. He's a deliverer. He's a savior. We praise God. There are testimonies all over this house today. And so Jesus said on this rock, that rock was the previous verse when Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter had the revelation that Jesus was God almighty manifested in the flesh. And Jesus said on that revelation of who I am, that I am the mighty God that I am the God of the Old Testament manifested in the flesh. Amen. Let me tell you something, folks. There are several places in the Old Testament where God, Jehovah, Yahweh, revealed himself as the I am. Amen. I am the provider. I am the healer. I am your peace. I am your banner of love and covering that's over you. And every one of those claims that Yahweh made in the Old Testament, Jesus made the same claim. I am the bread of life. Amen. I am the one who was and is and is to come. My friend, there can't be two I am's. There's only one great I am. The one that was revealed to Moses is the one that was revealed to Peter. It's the same God manifested in the flesh. Aren't you glad you know who Jesus is? 
<laughs> so Jesus said, I will build my church. This is a reference to the universal church, the worldwide church. There is only one church. That's right. There's a lot of denominations. There's a lot of creeds and man-made dogmas. But there's only one church. There's only one church. And it's a universal church. It's all over the world. And it's been here for 2,000 years. And it's not going anywhere until we get out of here. Praise God. Amen. We're living in a time of shaking, a time of confusion, a time of uncertainty. And we all feel it. We feel the trembling underneath us. We feel the tension. And it's not going to, as far as the world is concerned, more peace is not coming. More certainty is not coming. There's no politician, no government, no political party that has the answer. There is only one answer. There is only one peace giver that will give lasting peace. Amen. He's called the Prince of Peace. I want to walk into somebody's life right now and tell you that Jesus Christ can steal the storm of your life. He can quell the confusion of your mind. He can bring order to your family. He can bring sanctity to your marriage. He can bring sanity, amen, to your understanding. He's still the peace giver and he's in this house today. Oh, let's praise the Prince of Peace right now. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 He is the peace speaker. And the peace giver. There's only one church, the universal church. But the second time that Jesus used the word church is found two chapters later, Matthew 18. Jesus, in this context, gives us the procedure for how to reconcile differences among the believers. That's interesting. The first time it's the universal church. The second time it's the local church. Jesus is referring to a local, future local church where there's offense and there's tension and people have sort of disagreed or fallen out. And Jesus says, here's how you redeem that. Here's how you reconcile that. He said, the person who has... Uh, received offense or has become offended, they shouldn't sit there and have a pity party and say, well, by God, they said it, they did it, they need to come to me. <laughs> That's not what... I'm 64, I have grandchildren, get over it. In fact, one of them was up here with us for pastor's appreciation. Just comes with the territory. And Jesus said, no, if you know that someone is offended by you, it's your obligation, your privilege, your responsibility. And go to them. And then he said, 
perhaps the next word that he used is the most ignored word in the Bible. He said, go to them alone. Everybody say alone. alone. Say it again. Alone. alone. He didn't say, go put it all on Facebook. Go rally the troops. Go define the battle lines. And then go on full attack mode. Are you listening to the pastor of this house today? I refuse to pastor Facebook. It's out of control. I have no control over it. I can't do it. If you come to me about a Facebook problem, you created it, you did it, you fix it. Have a nice day. I'm doing some real good pastoring right now. <laughs> Amen. Jesus said, go to them alone and try to get it resolved. Figure it out. Don't spread wildfire. Solve it at the lowest level possible. Listen, this will work in a marriage. This will work in parent-child relationships. This will work at work. It will work in the community. You know, don't go around lobbing hand grenades on people. Jesus said, fix it. Go to them alone. And he said, if that doesn't work, then get two or three that they will trust. You know, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, the Bible says, let every word be established. But they've got to be spiritual. Galatians 6.1 says, you that are spiritual, don't bring a bunch of carnal, prayerless people with you to try to reconcile differences. Bring people that are praying and fasting and have the kingdom of God in their heart. And he said, if that doesn't work, take them before the church. I've never had to do that. I've never had to do that. That's a last resort. And that's not even my message, but it's good preaching and teaching anyway. Amen. The second time Jesus talks about the church, by the way, good to have Dr. Sabrina here too today. We're glad she's visiting from Georgia or from Alabama. Amen. So Jesus is teaching us the first mention of the local church. He's defending the unity of the church. Don't miss that. The first mention of the local church, he's defending the peace the harmony, amen, the one accordness, because that's the spirit that the church was born in. The Bible said when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. You can be in one place, but not be in one accord. But oh, my friend, if you're in one place and everybody has the same mind and the same heart and we're preferring each other and we love each other and we want to see each other blessed and we want to see your prayers answered more than we want our own prayers answered, God is going to move in and things are going to happen. And I will tell you that we will defend the peace. We will defend the unity of the life church. We will defend it and you should defend it. Turn to somebody and say, you should defend the unity of the life church. Amen. Well, I just threw that in. Sort of was like a moment of therapy right there. As my wife and I were traveling and Caleb was with us on the way home from Ohio, I noticed two billboards, the same billboard twice, of a, they were promoting that you could become a franchise owner of a steak and shake. Now, I'm not sure if that's a good idea because a lot of the steak and shakes are shutting down. 
And maybe Freddy's is putting them out of business. I don't know. The ice cream at Freddy's is better than the ice cream at Steak and Shake. Nobody paid me to say that. But here's what the billboard said. It said for an investment of $10,000, you can earn a potential income of $161,000 a year. I like look at my wife and I said, no, I didn't. But that's, that's sort of attractive. But here's what I thought about. When you purchase a franchise of a national chain restaurant, hotel, or business, you cannot set it up any old way you want to. There's a logo. There's a name. There's a branding. Whether it's the Golden Arches or that weird Starbucks creepy sea creature thing, whatever that is, or the Nike swoosh. When you buy the franchise, whether it's a half a million dollars or 250000 or a lousy 10000 for a steak and shake, then you are agreeing that you will represent that brand and that you will cook their food, right? That you'll build your restaurant the way they tell you to build it. If you buy a steak and shake, you can't build it like a McDonald's or like a mom and pop greasy spoon. You can't build some shack. It's got to be built according. Am I right, Brother Charlie? He's a master builder back there. You got to build it according to the specifications of the master plan. Amen. You have to buy the franchise and therefore you buy the name and the identity of this, let's, shall we say, national or worldwide country. You sign a contract and you agree to build your store according to the master architect's design. Your employees must wear the universal uniform. You must agree to charge certain prices for certain products or food items. It was interesting in the middle 90s, the Kent Trails, Ken and Jenny and I and the Hernandez, Eli and Kathy, we went to Tanzania, Africa on a mission and we helped launch a church that weekend. It was exciting. And the missionary, David Ward, took us into the town of Arusha and we were going to find something to eat. And I noticed we saw not the golden arches, but there was red arches. I thought, wow, they didn't get the memo. And then instead of McDonald's, it was called McDougal's. I'm thinking, we got to go in here and see what's going on. So we walked in, and it pretty much looked like a fast food place that you might see in America, in Kansas City. But I looked up on the menu, and one of the sandwich selections was called a Whopper. So we sort of had a blend of McDonald's and Burger King and let the lawsuits begin. <laughs> Something was a little bit messed up there. But I've been to McDonald's, I believe, on four continents of the world, in Europe, in Asia, in Australia, Australia, a lot of the McDonald's are called Maccas or Maccas. They use nicknames, and I think that it means McDonald's in some language, maybe Aborigines, I don't know. 
But they all, every McDonald's I've ever been in, doesn't matter if it's, it's been in Asia or Europe or America, they all look the same. They all smell the same. And they all taste the same. And they all feel the same. So what am I saying? I'm saying that there is a master builder of the church, a master architect of the church. His name is Jesus Christ. And he has designed a church the way he wants it to feel, the way he wants it to look, the way he wants it to act, so that it doesn't matter if you go to his church in Africa, or if you go to Asia, or if you visit his church in Europe, or if you visit his church in South America, praise God, you're going to feel the same spirit, you're going to feel the same anointing, you're going to see the same joy, you're going to be preached to the same way, you can obey the same gospel. We're not on different pages, but we're all on the same page. Are you glad for the universal church? Amen. And the local church. Praise God. You might say that the Life Church is a franchise of the universal church that Jesus Christ purchased with his own blood. And we don't have the prerogative of doing church the way we want to because we, we bought in. Solomon said, buy the truth and don't sell it. We have bought in. Now listen, to be sure, there's only one purchaser of the church and he paid the greatest price that's ever been paid for any item in this world with the nine pints of blood, sinless blood that flowed in his veins. We needed that blood to run out of him. We needed that blood to be shed like a lamb. We needed seven fountains opened up in his body so that he could be the purchaser. Are you thankful that he purchased your salvation with your own blood? I'm so thankful we don't have to drag a bunch of lambs and oxen and goats up here. There is no more sacrifice for sin. The book of Hebrews said Jesus paid the price once and for all. It doesn't matter if a 10 people need to be saved or a million people need to be saved or a hundred million people, or a billion. There's enough power in the blood of Jesus Christ to save us all from every sin, from every shame. Oh, are you thankful for that? Let's celebrate Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Hallelujah. I don't have any authority. I don't have any authority to change anything that Jesus Christ established. Not one thing. I don't have authority to preach a different gospel. In fact, Paul said, if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel than what has been preached to you, let him be accursed. And a generation is laid to my account if I don't preach to you today what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. I have no authority. I can't change it. I bought this thing. I'm invested in it. I'm sold out to it. There is no other gospel for me. What if, what if, I, what if I bought a steak and shake and I said, you know, we're not going to, it's too expensive to have tables. We're not going to have tables. People just sit on the floor. The floor is, you know, you can't, you just sit on the floor. Well, if the, if the owner of the company comes in 
and he sees that things are not up to specifications, I forfeit my license. And I've come to tell you today, I am not forfeiting my opportunity, amen, to please God and to honor his word and preach the truth. There are other gospel messages that are cheaper. Come on. There are other messages and, and ways that people I think that they're getting saved today that are less expensive. It won't cost you as much. In fact, if you go to some places, and I'm not in church wars today, you can be saved without even getting wet. Just pray this prayer. I, listen, I'm not taking anything away from anybody. And I'm not picking a fight. If there's anybody watching out on TV land, we're glad you're here. Amen. Let's sit down and have a Bible study. But we have bought a franchise of the apostolic church and we don't have the opportunity to cut corners and to offer a cheap gospel. You could come up here. I could hold your hand. I could speak a few words over you and tell you to repeat after me. But can I tell you something that that alone will not save you? It is a good start. It's a good beginning to confess Jesus as your savior. But let me tell you something. According, amen, to the master plan, confessing Jesus as Lord and Savior is in the moment of baptism. Amen. It's in the moment when you're baptized, which is circumcision of the flesh. You couldn't get into the Old Testament franchise unless you were circumcised. And you can't get in the New Testament unless you have the circumcision of the heart. Paul said it's water baptism. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And it'll wash them away. I can't change that. Oh, there, there's a temptation. There would be a temptation. And honestly, some pastors today are preaching all that they understand. And I'm not suggesting that I'm superior or that I'm better, but I'm saying that we have to be true to our revelation. This is how we will answer to God. We have to be true. We have to be honest with God and with ourselves. Are we living up to the obedience of what has been revealed to us? That's how we answer to God. And sometimes as a pastor, I agonize and I, I wonder, Lord, are we a full service church? Are we missing anything that's on the menu? Here's the menu, people. How disappointing is it when you go to Gus's Chicken? Anybody been to Gus's Chicken? Come on now. Do I have a witness back here? Woo! And they say, you say, well, I, I want that three-piece right there with mashed potatoes and gravy and green beans and some iced tea. And they say, oh, we, I know it's on the menu, but we, we ran out. It's not in the kitchen. Listen, folks, if it's on the menu, it better be in the kitchen. If, if, if Jesus said these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They will cast out devils. 
in my name. Amen. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Praise God. Is that on the menu? Is that on the menu? Praise God. Is it on the menu? If you drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm you. Is that on the menu? Amen. Is it on the menu? If you take up serpents for the stone king said accidentally, they shall not harm you. Is that on the menu? Come on. They will speak with new tongues. Is that on the menu? I don't want to hear any more TV preachers say anything against tongues. I don't want to hear any more theologians say that speaking with tongues is not for us today because it's in the menu. It's on the menu. And if it's on the menu, it doesn't matter if it agrees with your theology or not. Praise God. It is for us today. Oh, hallelujah. God, I want everything that's on the menu. I want baptism in Jesus' name. I want miracles and wonders and signs. I want to see people delivered from addictions. I want to see the grace of God at work in our lives. Amen. Somebody clap your hands if you're glad for the truth. Hallelujah. Turn to somebody and shout, it's on the menu. Everybody all right? <laughs> you may be seated. You keep standing, I think you want me to quit preaching. Well, I hadn't preached here in four weeks, so you're in trouble. I heard the story about a man who was wealthy, and he was friends with a house builder, and he wanted to do him a nice deed. They'd been business partners. And so he told the man, he said, I've got these blueprints and I want you to build a house. I want you to build this house and all the specifications and, you know, the colors and the finishes and the foundation and how it's going to be laid out, square footage. And nothing was left to guesswork. He, here's the itemizations of everything we want. And here's the square footage and here's the dimensions. And, and then he gave him a budget. He said, and here's what it will cost. And built in this budget is your part of your pay, your income. So the contractor, he was excited. He was proud for this opportunity. And so, you know, they went out and dug a hole and they started building this thing. And one day it came to him. Hey, he hasn't even come by here one day to inspect what I'm doing. I, I could really save some money by putting in inferior doors and, and windows that, you know, not the ones that the drawings call for. I, I can cut this corner and I can cut that corner and then and, and I can, you know, save money on the roofing and, and the foundation. I don't have to pour the concrete as thick as, you know, what he, four inches is enough. We don't need six inches. And, 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 and I can, how would he know if the bedroom is, you know, 12 by 10 or, or 12 by nine? How would he know the difference? He's going to get a ruler out and, and measure it. And I can save money there. And boy, he was just putting money in his pocket and, and cutting here and reducing that and over there. And finally, the house was finished. And a brand new house, it looks marvelous. It's amazing. It smells good. You smell the carpet. You smell the paint. You, it's, it's amazing. And so the owner finally shows up on the day it's finished. And the contractor walks up to him and, and he gives him the keys to the house. And he said, here it is. It's all finished. The contract, the owner looked at it. He said, this is great. But you know what? You didn't know this, 
but I want to give you this house. You didn't know you were building your own house. You've been such a good partner that I want you to have it. This is like some of the people in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. They're going to say, Lord, Lord, did we not do these things in your name? Did we not cast out devils? Did we not do these mighty works? And Jesus is going to say, I'm sorry. I don't know who you are. There was more on the menu than what you obeyed. There was more available to you. It's nice what you did, but I don't know who you are. Friends, we can't afford to get to the day of judgment and not obey everything that God is. We are talking about life and death here. Amen. God has given us an opportunity to build according our, our lives, according to his specification. This is no time to cut corners. This is no time to cheat the process. It's a time to buy the truth and to love it and to serve it and to get involved in it. Hallelujah. The church was a long time coming. It was envisioned from the foundation of the world. God invested 4,000 years of history and dialogue step by step. In fact, in Isaiah 28, the prophet said, Revelation's coming here a little and there a little. You know, we'd sure like to have it, all of it right now, but it's here a little, there a little, line upon line, line upon line. Precept upon precept. And then in verse 11, it, it explodes. And the prophet said, and with stammering lips and another tongue, will God speak to his people? Amen. I wonder if one day Isaiah was praying. He was the prophet that saw Messiah clearly. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every man to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. But he was wounded. He was bruised. The chastisement of our peace is upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. And Isaiah gets in the presence and the spirit of revelation. And maybe stammering lips came upon Isaiah. But he couldn't break through into speaking with tongues. Because as Caleb was teaching this morning, the Holy Spirit was not yet given. Because that Jesus was not yet glorified. But Isaiah felt that shaking. He felt that that kingdom coming line upon line, line upon line. And finally he said, this is what it's going to sound like. This is what it's going to be like. Stammering lips and another tongue. Will he speak to his people? Jesus told Nicodemus, the wind blows where it wants to and you hear the sound of it, but you can't tell where it came from or where it's going. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. Jesus said, there's going to be a universal sound for everyone that is born of the Holy Ghost. And it's going to sound like words. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You will speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives you the utterance. Oh yes, it's a sign to you that the Holy Spirit has come in. So the whole, the Old Testament is not a throwaway. We don't throw the Old Testament away and say, well, by God, we got the New Testament, we got Jesus, forget all of that. No, Paul said in Galatians 3, the Old Testament is our schoolmaster. That's like a grade school teacher before middle school and high school and college. It's Paul said, and the writer of Hebrews said, these things are instructional. They're foundational and they're written to us for our admonition. In other words, don't do the same dumb things those people did. <laughs> 
It's always nice to learn from somebody else's expensive mistake. Amen. Everybody say it's a foundation. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, 9. We are God's fellow workers. You are God's field or his workplace. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given to me as a wise master builder, I lay the foundation and another builds on it. But let us take heed how we build. Make sure you're building your life according to the specifications of the master builder. No other foundation can anyone lay than what has been laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and straw, you see the contrast of these materials. Some can be burned up and and others, the fire only makes more valuable. Each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it. Verse 14, if anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet as though through fire. Everybody say the pattern. God has given us the pattern. When Noah was instructed by God to build an ark, God didn't say, now listen up here, Noah, I want you to get a few little pieces of wood together and I want you to get some leather straps and you go out there and build you a boat. All I care is it floats. Just, I sort of sound like Larry the Cable Guy. Don't I? Just, just get you out there, get your boys, Ham, Shem, and Japheth, get them together there and go out there and just build something just as long as it floats. Oh, no, no, no. God said, Noah, I, you have found grace in my eyes. And I want you to build an ark to the saving of your family. Verse 14 of Genesis 6, make an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark, cover it inside and out with pitch. That means make it watertight. This is how you'll make it. The length will be 300 cubits, the width 50, the height 30. Put a window in it, one window, one door. And make it with lower, second, and third decks. God is telling Noah exactly the way he wants him to build the ark. And I love what Genesis 6.22 says, And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Listen, you don't want to get to the finish line. You don't want to get to the end of your life and cut corners and build your life the way that you wanted to. Let me tell you something. The Bible calls that man a fool. Amen. He said that you're a fool. You thought that you could do it the way you wanted to do it? That's foolish. There's only one way to build your life, and that's on the Word of God. Listen, there's only one door. God told Noah, I said, he said, I want you to build it with one door. Oh, not five doors, five different ways. There's one door into the ark of safety called the apostolic church. And Jesus is the door and he's the doorkeeper, and he is the way. He said, I am the door. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I've got news for Oprah Winfrey, whose pop theology says that you've got a truth, and I've got a truth, and everybody's got a truth, and you live your truth, and I'll live my truth, and we'll all end up at the truth. My friend, that's not the way it works. There is only one truth, and his name is Jesus. Jesus said, I am the truth. No man can come to the Father except by me. Hallelujah. Amen. Man, if you will obey Jesus Christ today, you can walk through the door. 
Everybody say one door. Everybody say pattern. I got a picture. I want to show you the tabernacle. Look at this. This is the Old Testament tabernacle plan. Let me tell you something. Don't throw that away. Don't say, well, that doesn't have nothing for me. Let's go inside. I got another picture. Look at the bird's eye, sort of an aerial view. Next one. Next one. Right here. When you were in your, if you were in a drone looking down, this is what you would see. At the bottom in this tabernacle plan, I got a, Brother Greg Croca. does this thing work? Ah, you can't see it. At the bottom, that was a laser light that doesn't work for me. You got this altar of incense. And then you got a laver of water. On the right, a table of showbread. On the left, a candlestick. Before what was called the veil, there's an altar of incense. And at the very top is the Ark of the Covenant. Listen, and I'm, this is the last point of my message. You would not find one theologian of any denomination that would disagree of how that tabernacle plan was laid out. It's so clear. It's so precise. And yet, if you went to 10 Christian churches in this city today, someone would tell you, well, you got to do this to be saved. You got to do that to be saved. You got to do the other to be saved. You want to please God. It's all over the place. It's all over the place. But it wasn't all over the place there. There was one tabernacle and there was one altar. The brazen altar is a type of repentance where there was death. The labor, God told Moses, you tell Aaron to wash because he can't come into my presence dirty. He's getting ready to go in the presence. Wash that you die out. What does that sound like? That's baptism. So we've got repentance, death at the altar. We've got baptism at the labor. Over on the right, we've got the showbread, which is the word of God and literally represents that there were 12, lo 12 loaves representing the 12 tribes. That's fellowship with God's people. That's coming together and fellowshipping. Over on the left, you've got the candlestick, which is a symbol of the church. In the book of Revelation, Jesus is walking among the, the, the candlesticks, which is the seven churches. And then before the veil, you've got the ark or the, the altar of incense, which is a type of prayer and praise and intercessory prayer and worship, which brings the presence of God. The veil was torn the, the moment Jesus died on the cross. God was saying, I'm not throwing this away. I'm fulfilling this. This is going to be embodied. This is just a pattern. This is just a pattern. And the ark of the covenant where the glory came down. The blood that the priest sprinkled on the mercy seat was licked up. Inside was the word, the authority, and the pot of manna. Aaron's rod that body, and the pot of manna, where it's representing God's provisions, God's authority, and God's word. And the glory would come down, and the priest would shout, and the bells would ring, and the atonement was made for one more year. If that doesn't sound like the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I don't know where it is. I have a friend who studied with a Jewish rabbi in Israel. The rabbi said, if you can't find your salvation in the Torah, then you're practicing witchcraft. So we get all theologians in here today of all denominations. Nobody would dispute that. But what if someone offered salvation to me the way that they offer it? What would that tabernacle plan look like? 
I'll tell you what it would be for most of them. Just the brazen altar at the bottom. That'd be about all you get because baptism, they say, is just a public splash party. It's just a splash party. It doesn't really mean anything. You're sort of publicly confessing. Oh, really? If it's a splash party, then why is baptism urgent in the New Testament? If it's just for public consumption, then why is the Ethiopian eunuch out in the desert? And he says to Philip, here is water. What is stopping me from being baptized right now? If it's just a public display, then why is the Philippian jailer being baptized at midnight where there are no other believers to watch him in his plunge party? He's getting baptized to get saved because Jesus said in Matthew 16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. I want the whole enchilada, hallelujah. If it's in the menu, I want it in the kitchen. Hallelujah. Stand with me. It's the pattern. Repentance, baptism, fellowship, revelation, worship, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's all there. And here's what I noticed. Every time the pattern is followed, the presence comes. When Noah did everything that God commanded, the only thing that God didn't let Noah do was shut the door. <laughs> it was like God's approval. Noah, you did everything. I see there's three floors. There's one window. There's one door. It's made out of gopher wood. It's, three, it's 300 cubits by 50 by 30. You did exactly. Now I'm going to shut the door. That was God saying, you did good. When Moses dedicates the tabernacle, hundreds of instructions, he follows them to the T. What happened? The cloud of the glory of God came down so that they could not minister. What happened the day that Solomon dedicated the temple that it took him seven years to build? The Bible says, the glory of God came so that they, it was so thick they couldn't even minister. I pray that the glory of God, it already is, it's in this house. The glory of God would fall on your obedience. That God would seal you in and shut the door and seal you into the body of Christ because you've obeyed his gospel. Someone that feels estranged, someone that feels beyond the wall of the sanctuary and the protection. God is calling you into the ark right now. And he will seal the door behind you. He will seal the door and protect you from the storm that's coming. That's called the great tribulation. It's coming. You'll be safe inside. You say, well, the church isn't perfect. That's right, because you're in it. And me, I'm in it too. And if you find the perfect church, don't go there because you'll ruin it. So get over it. It's not perfect. But I'm gonna tell you something. There was a stink inside that ark with all those animals, but I'd rather be inside with the stink than outside in the storm. Don't let the stink stop you. <laughs> Don't let it stop you. <laughs> I'm in the church today. 
I feel like I've been sealed. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, Paul called that, that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Sealed. Protected. Safe. Moses obeyed. The glory came. Solomon obeyed. The glory came. Have you obeyed the Lord? Have you obeyed the Lord? It's time for you to repent of your sins. It's time for you, if you've repented, to be baptized. Lewis is going to be baptized today in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of his sins. Have you received the Holy Spirit, Paul said, since you believed? It's for you. It's a promise after you're baptized. The promise, Peter said, is unto you and to your children and to all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I apologize for preaching so long. I don't normally do it, but I don't apologize for what I preach today because I preach the word of God to you today. Now, I want you to lift your hands and let's let God do what only he can do and let the glory fall in this house right now. Come on, lift your hands and open your mouth unto the Lord. Declare his goodness. Declare your salvation. Amen. Tell the devil he's a liar and the father of lies. Amen. Don't, don't doubt your beliefs. Don't doubt your faith. Amen. Amen. Don't doubt your beliefs. Don't doubt what you know to be true. Don't doubt it. Make it assured today. Assure it in your heart today. If you haven't been born again, amen. Be born again today of the water and of the Spirit. Jesus said, without it, you cannot see the kingdom of God. We're going somewhere. Why don't you go with us? The church is going to take a journey out of this world. Why don't you go with us? That's it. Come on. Lift your hands. Let the glory come. Let the glory fall upon you. Let it come upon your family. Let it come upon your children right now. Hallelujah. Are you thankful for the truth? Are you thankful for the gospel? I wish I could get somebody to let your voice out right now. I'm not ashamed of this gospel. I'm not ashamed to be an apostolic 21st century believer. Amen. I'm not ashamed to be separated from the world and to come out from this world and to touch not the unclean thing. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Amen. I think some families ought to come up here. Amen. Moms and dads and kids, God will fill your children with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Some young people ought to get up here. Amen. Somebody that wants to protect the unity of your family, come on. Come into the presence. Come into the ark. Come into the house. Celebrate what God has done. Be thankful for truth and for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That's it. Come as families. Lift your hands. Lift your heart. Run into the ark of safety today. Run in today. Run in today. Run in today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on. Let God seal you in the ark of his presence. Let him seal you and your family. Obey the gospel today. Turn from any other Savior but the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved today. Confess Him in the waters of baptism today as the only Savior, the only Savior. Let the glory fall. 
Listen, folks, we're not the crazy ones. We're not the crazy ones today. We're the ones that got sanity today. We're in our right minds today. We're obeying Jesus Christ today. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. He's here right now. He's here right now. He's here right now. Come on, let the glory fall on you. Say, Lord, we've obeyed. We're doing everything we can. We're doing everything we can to obey you, Lord. To obey your word, to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let the glory come. Let the glory come. I'm starting to hear some glory right now. I'm starting to see some glory coming upon. You may be the only one in your family. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of who you are in Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is here right now. The Holy Spirit is here right now. I feel God assuring somebody's heart. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled today. Hallelujah. The Comforter is here today. The Comforter is here today. Sweet heart, I see glorious. I run. 